You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Well, welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm here with uh, a friend of mine, Ashley Alvarado. Hi. Um, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and where you're from? Great. Um, I am a grad student at the University of South Carolina. I'm getting my PhD in English literature, um, specialty in Victorian lit and uh, the diary. Hmm. Uh, but I'm originally from Dallas. Um and did my undergrad at Belmont in Nashville. Um, so that's how Logan and I know each other. Yes. Good de- good times. Um, she yeah. was on the Boulevard team, and I'm not – you guys know what the Boulevard team is. And if you don't, yeah. just go listen to another episode. But, yeah. Yeah. The um, well-loved Boulevard team. <laughs> she's one of the inaugural members, which is yep. pretty cool. The charter team. Uh, yep. Um. But yeah, I, you're actually one of the students that, uh, well, I'm actually proud of all my students. Let me say that. Um, <laughs> but you're the only one going for your PhD. So that's pretty dang cool. Um, yeah. Well, so far, so far, you, know, you can always go back to school, right? You can. Um, <laughs> I don't think, uh, well, see, that's my thing is I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm probably going to get a master's at some point. Um, since I decide what kind of master's I want. Yeah. Um, I remember you talking about that. You were like, there's so many things. So many choices. Um, but uh, you're teaching classes too, right? Yes. Um, I teach English 101 and English 102. So right now I'm teaching two sections of English 101. It's going really well. Um, mm-hmm. Teaching has been one of the greatest joys, uh, way more fun than I thought it'd be. And it was, I mean, that's the reason that I'm getting my PhD in the first place. I want to teach at a university. Um, but man, it has been a good time. And even on tough days, you know, when I'm pulling teeth, trying to get them to find the symbolism in um, <laughs> the movie or the poem, or, you know, just think outside the box for half a second. Um, it's still really rewarding at the end of the day. So I'm really enjoying that aspect of um, grad school life too. I think that's one of the really, you know, everybody thinks of general ed classes as like, you know, I just got to get done with them so I can go do my major courses. But what they don't don't realize though, and and see this is the thing between the maths and the, 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 the liberal artsy things like English and stuff. um, They really, like one, like, like the math teaches you the logic um, yeah. and understanding, you know, if you have this, then this, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you have the, um, th- that's the in the box thinking. And then you have um, the creative stuff like, you know, um, English 101 and stuff like that, that really drive home your creative thinking and the, the critical thinking um, being able to analyze things and, and take in information and then spit out, you know, you know, an interpretation of that. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about. That's like one of the most important things about college. Um, yeah. oh, absolutely. Must- the first time that you're really given, um, 
space and encouragement even to be um, something different than kind of a cookie cutter version that high schools just by nature of the way they are kind of have to punch out the same kind of cookie cutter mold. And I think college is the first place where you are in an environment that you're familiar with, a school environment, but you it's opened up, right? It stretches you in ways that you weren't expecting. And I, I like to bring that into my classes too. I like to address the fact that like, I know that they're going through a lot of changes right now and to be aware of the ways that that makes them feel and to maybe even try and connect that to some of the different emotions that are being evoked in texts that we're working on. Um, so yeah. So what kind of texts do you work with as far as um, students go? I mean, um, what kinds of works are you guys studying? Is it, is it just a creative writing thing? Um, like what, no. what? So English 101 at um, USC, as we call it here, but it is not officially the USC. That's a completely different story for another time. Yes. Um, but just for convenience sake here at the University of South Carolina, we call it USC. Yeah. Um, the emphasis in English 101 and English 102, um, is on writing actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so because of that emphasis, we don't do long texts. Um, so they don't have to read a single book, for example. Mm. Uh, we shorter things like poems, short stories, essays. We, um, this week, um, have been working on Jordan Peele's Get Out, <laughs> which has been really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's a poet, uh, who actually graduated from the MFA here, um, who wrote a poem called no country for black boys. That's brilliant. You read it in like three different ways and it's, um, based on the Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman case. Mm -hmm. um, and those pair really nicely. And so it's great to kind of get them into conversation about that. And, you know, some of the, um, the ways we see racial violence kind of enacted throughout the country and, the um, and thing to discuss, you know, in the South too, I think, um, I surprisingly have quite a few students not from the area. Hmm. Um, and I think they've been surprised at the, um, how much we talk about kind of the South's kind of implications and even the school's kind of, um, complicated legacy with, right. um, slavery and with um racial tension and violence um so that's that's been a cool kind of element to add to this but so like one of the next things we're working on is like kurt vonnegut so we'll be moving on there's like no theme really mm -hmm. we're just to get them to do lots of different kinds of analyses so i know you talked a little bit about why you love it but why do you want to teach like what what is taking you in this direction because you know PhDs are one thing. PhDs in literature are a whole other. Um, um, not to say that one is harder than the other, um, but it's definitely, for me, um, would be uh, very hard because, um, you know, I'm kind of sciencey. Uh, yeah. But um, you can tell you for me, it's hard too. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what made you want to go in this direction? Like, what's driving you? Yeah. Um. Well, one of the first things, like the first reason that I went to grad school was because I had a lot of encouragement actually from professors at Belmont 
who said, you know what, you would be really, really good at this. And it was something that I hadn't considered um, up until I had gotten kind of several different professors who I knew weren't talking to each other about it. They just sought me out and were like, hey, I was thinking that I wanted to tell you, like, I really think you should think about applying to grad school. I think you'd be really good um, at this whole kind of academic thing. <laughs> and that kind of planted, you know, the seed in my head. And then when I graduated, I thought I wanted to do something with like content writing or marketing or something like that, something that would make my English major, marketing minor, and all of my kind of internship and extracurricular activities make sense. Um, but you I know, mean, not as, to be completely biased, but you're pretty good at marketing, but you know, <laughs> but, and well, I'll say this now so I don't forget it. I actually really do think that in a lot of ways, um, that is a skill that translates across any kind of, a specialty, right? Yeah. Like in order to get funding for researching, in order to get people interested in what you're talking about, in order to sell English 101 to freshmen who don't want to be there, you have to say, there is a good reason for you to be here and here's why. And that's what marketing is. Right? That is. That is exactly uh, what it is. So that has that has served me well. I'm still doing marketing. It's just disguised as something else now. But anyway, um, so I graduated and I tried the the marketing thing and I missed school desperately. Um, and that was when I knew I was like, okay, that's where I want to be. And so I should go back. And so after that year um, and applying for grad school, ended up getting into USC and um and coming here, and it wasn't until I started, they started us out here working at the writing center and do and being um, TAs, and kind of those experiences really prepped me for kind of one-on-one -on -one experiences with students, and I got to watch um, a really gifted professor um, lecture and kind of see how he ran his class. And the first day of my own class, this was last fall. Um, I was so nervous. And then I walked in on the first day and got up to introduce myself and to start class. And I felt this wave of um, peace and also like confidence rush <laughs> over me. And I was telling my dad, you know, after the whole thing had happened, I was like, I just felt in that moment, like I was exactly where I was supposed to be, that I was always intended to be there. And that all the little pieces of um, what my life had been had kind of been working up to that moment. And it's just kind of been a love affair with teaching ever since. Um, it's Isn't that really, the best feeling, though? Yeah, it's the best feeling. And it's so hard. Um, but it's really worth it at the end of the day. Yeah, one of the things that I've found um, really fulfilling, right? So I could do web and social media and video and marketing anywhere, right? Like that, that's a, as you said, it's a thing that kind of goes with anything. Um, but what I've loved about higher education in general is the fact that um, even in my own little way, whether it be through, you know, what we do with Facebook groups or, you know, what I do on social media, the videos that I make, um, and 
the fact that I get to work with students on the Boulevard team and, and stuff like that, I get to help shape minds and I get to help shape futures, at least on some small level. Now, obviously, I'm not like teaching people, um, uh, uh, you know, academic life lessons, obviously, though, though there are cases, there are times when, you know, um, I think that I have to give advice to folks um, that I think hopefully will one day uh, it helped me like, you know, understanding workload and understanding yeah. failure, like failure is okay. Totally cool. This is what yeah. college is for, for you to yeah. fail and, and have something to catch you when you do. Um, so yeah. you'll learn never to do it again because it's good to do it now and not to do it when you're at work. Um, right. <laughs> um, and that's something I did cause I failed plenty in college. Um, well I, I made C's and to me that was failing. Right. Um, yeah. Um, as it is for a lot of people, actually, and uh, a, a lot of people laugh at that. But some of us, you know, drive is a thing, and perfectionism is a is a curse. Um, but but in any case, um, that, that's why I love working in higher ed is is that exact feeling because I got that feeling. Um, actually, it was a few years into, you know, having you guys on the Boulevard team. And yeah. when I started to do more web stuff and I was part of marketing and, and Belmont gave me, you know, responsibility over people, um, for the first time. And yeah. I realized, holy crap, this is actually pretty dang amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's the thing that I love about where we go. And I think we're kind of in agreement is that, you know, shaping young minds is probably one of the higher callings. And that's actually something that I think is a, you know, a recurring theme on the show. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, how much work have you, you know, really gotten into the PhD thing? Like, like how deep are you in? That was a really mm-hmm. odd question, oddly worded question, but um, I think you no, got that's it. A really, that's a really good question because I'm right on the cusp of finishing. So I think the reason you were, uh, you mentioned before this that you were confused. You thought I was getting the master's and then you were like, right. oh, wait, it's a PhD. The reason why that has been confusing for not just you, but a lot of people is that I went directly from my bachelor's to the PhD. So it's a direct to PhD program, but huh. means, so it cuts off a year, but the first kind of years you're really doing the exact same work as the master's students. Right. Uh, so I am taking two classes as a student and teaching two classes as an instructor. Um, next year, however, um, I am starting comps, um, you know, taking the tests, passing by language exams, um, getting into um, dissertation prep, essentially, reading lists, things like that. So I'm right on the edge of um, being really deep in it. (laughs) So you're just, you know, you're on the edge looking down into the abyss. Um, Yes. So it's still like regular school right now it becomes a little bit more self-guided at this point uh, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit stressful I have to admit um I do better with um looming deadlines than with just a bunch of space and time 
to mull about. Um, I would like to finish my degree on time, however. So, you know, there is that motivation. But um, for me, what comes next um, is at least, are you, are you asking school-wise in my I degree? What and I then, want. And then after that. Okay. Sure. Both. Um, well, I need to come up with or find a really good kind of dissertation topic. Um, right now, I'm, if, you know, you pin me down and said, what are you going to write about? I am deeply interested in, I mentioned, um, you know, my specialties, Victorian literature and the diary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really interested in the ways that diaries, um, both, um, let's see both can act as places where we resist power structures right and as places that reify or re-encode power structures that we live in hmm. um, so that that kind of interest will require quite a bit of archival work um and the dream actually uh, this is not going to happen anytime soon because it will take probably my entire career, but I would like to develop an archive of diaries. Um, there is a group in England, I think in London, um, they, their project is called the Great British Diary Project or something like that. And yeah. um, they better than are, Diary McDiary face or something. Right, definitely. Uh, and it kind of resonates with like Great British Bake Off. Like I just think that they've got like this cool kind of yeah can be called the Great British something, and you're like, wow. Well, you know, it's totally in some you know beautiful pastoral like meadow with you know like sheep and ducks and you know well manicured gardens um, in a you know 15th century mansion. You know, right. with a with a yeah. huge library. That that's probably and, where it is. Incredible accents, and they drink tea, and it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely an Anglophile over here. Anyway, so the dream is to uh, take up what they're doing in England, hopefully here in the states. Um, although, just like a sidebar, I wouldn't be opposed to moving to England, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> Someone needs to chronicle our, our culture here too. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I want to preserve those diaries that, cause diaries are oftentimes kind of just left out of, um, what people consider literature. Um, right. but they're really important, um, cultural artifacts. They are. And um, we we utilize diaries differently than the ways we use even uh, the most intimate posts on social media or text messages or anything. There's just a, a difference in um, engagement, in style, in craft. Um, and diaries often get thrown away. People, like when people die, um, their relatives either don't want them, don't know what to do with them. And so there is actually, you know, a need to preserve them um, for posterity. And so I would like to do that. And also there are a lot of efforts um, in digital humanities to kind of um, 
digitize archives so that people, researchers and interested parties can access more easily. Um, instead of having to go to a place, have somebody, right. you know, bring it out, you use the special gloves and, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into archive work. Um, it does. And so I, I, be, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that because, you know, I wonder if anyone ever goes, goes through microfish anymore. I mean, <clears throat> I literally did this summer. Wow. Okay. For the first time. It was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> I can imagine. I um, loved I feel like it would drive me nuts not being able to, um, uh, having to flip through hundreds of microfish, uh, man, rather than just typing in search and it, <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah. I like Lexus Nexus. It's nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, somebody had to do that work, you know, and we, yeah. we've got to be better about getting things uh, documented in an easy way faster. <laughs> well, one of the things, you know, that made me think because, you know, you're right, because you have, you know, we think of our primary sources of history, which are journals, news articles, um, all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, but, you know, those those are telling us you know, the facts, you know, the, the facts of the time, the history of the time. But when you look at a diary, you really could look at it as a different kind of primary source that is not about the facts, but about the, the feels, the feels. Yes. That is yes. definitely the, uh, I'm sure that's what all of the scholars use is, you know, it's about the, the feels. Um, the feels. <laughs> well, the emotion and the, you know, how people interpret the, 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 the good things that are going around them, um, what their daily life is like. That is something you're never going to get out of a news article. Um, right. You might get it out of a, an autobiography, but, you know, that's just another form of diary, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. or, and well, memoirs, too. So. Yeah, but those are, those are interesting because they are crafted, they're edited, they are, are written after the fact. Yeah, written after fact, they're perused by publishers. They are, um, they have to be sold at the end of the day. And you write a lot differently when you're trying to sell something than when you're just having a conversation with yourself. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is deep. And I think that's a great place to end on. <laughs> um, so thanks for being on the show this week. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was great catching up because, you know, I like doing it's that. way too long. Yes, it has. Um, listeners, head down to higher and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love hearing from you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vitrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Hawes. It's also part of the ConnectEDU network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Yay!
Um, so I Hold think on one that, second. Simon's yeah. here, and he Simon, is saying hello. hi. Yes, um, which was a surprise. Simon popped in. Um, hold on. Oh, he needs uh, he's needs me to look at something. What's up, buddy? Um, today Halloween, and Roy's being dressed up as a pumpkin. Oh. Bingo is being dressed up as something too. He is. Bingo's a skeleton. Simon's very excited about Halloween. But something's yeah. wrong, Daddy. What's wrong, Simon? Cookie tells a spooky story about the ghost of the haunted howler. Oh, the haunted howler. It's a people are supposed to stay away so we can howl. Oh. That's not nice. Oh, it's not. But the haunted howler can steal the candy. Okay. He's a bad one. He's, <laughs> he's got the can, the Halloween candy. Simon is very excited about Halloween. Come on, buddy. Let's go back and um, watch your show. But Daddy said wrong. What's wrong? There's a emergency. There's not really an emergency. There is. What's the emergency? Emergency. Who lost their costume? Oh. Well, we'll find it in a few, okay? Okay, well, Daddy has to finish something really quick. So you finish watching your show, and I'll come back in here, okay? Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. It sounds like losing a costume. That is an emergency. It is an emergency.